0: Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore.
1: Yes, hello everyone, and welcome to all our West Australian football fans to another edition of Around the Waffle, the official podcast of the West Australian Football League here at the Backchat Studios. Well, round 18 done and dusted, another exciting weekend of football, and it now leaves the race in the top five wide open more than ever before, with now at least seven teams looking to make the five. And for fifth place in particular, it has now turned into a three way dance between West Perth, Claremont, and Swan districts. Paul Persick is my name. It's a great pleasure to have your company on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm joined today by a man with a license to thrill, even without a license, Mark Foreman. <laughs> he joins me here today. Forey, welcome along, mate. That's a new one. Hello, Paul.
0: Good to be here once again. Yeah, and a, another good weekend of Waffle. What is it? How do I get a license? How do I do that?
1: I don't know. If It's okay. the first time I've heard of that. Oh, well, You get you a go. license to thrill with even without a license. I'll look into it. Um, yeah, I will look into it. <laughs> but seriously, round 18, it's now wide open in the fight for fifth place. West Perth staying alive. Swan District's getting Back into form this late in the season, and Claremont fading with four straight losses. We asked
0: for it, and we've got a nice little finish for, for that fifth spot. So you told us this was happening four weeks ago. We would have told you, told you you were crazy. So it's um it, it's really cool that it, it's heating up towards the end. And uh, look, we will talk about Swan Districts a little later, but they're certainly ruining. Uh, I think it's five. Uh, I think it's five games under seven points that yeah. they've lost. Um, and they're certainly ruining that. Um, which means that, yeah, they've left probably a a bit too much work to do. So it's probably West Perth to lose that spot, particularly given Swan District's percentage as well. So, um, yeah, Claremont, one we'll talk about as well. They've allowed West Perth into the hunt, so... It's
1: um, yeah, it's a frantic finish. Absolutely, and what a result round eighteen was for all those teams, especially in that race for fifth place. We'll talk more about that a little later in just a moment. We'll have Brady Gray from the Peel Thunder Football Club joining us to talk about their win over the Tigers. But before we do, we just want to remind you that every game in the WAFL season is live, free, and in full on the AFL app. We've got a big weekend in round nineteen, and you can see all those games on the AFL app. And we'll preview that round on Thursday. This is Around the Waffle, the official podcast of of the West Australian Football League. And a great game our special guest played against Claremont over the weekend. It was a big win for the Thunder at Lane Group Stadium this past Saturday, keeping their hopes of the double chance alive with two rounds to go. He had 19 possessions, took five brilliant marks, and according to some, he's been rated the most handsome man in the (laughs) WAFL, apparently, along with Connell Lynch and Mark Reddings. Brady Gray, he joins us here on Around the Waffle today. Brady, hello, mate. Uh, Congratulations on a great game.
2: Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, The lads played really well and uh, we'll have to get the result in the end.
1: It was a must win against a side that was losing a bit of its edge, Claremont, but you knew it was going to be a hard game, especially when they had a couple of their key forwards and mids back uh, for this game as well. It was going to be a real tough task and your boys delivered.
2: Yeah, yeah, as you said, they're they're stacked. I think they got, you know, two or three 10 out of running around and um, some quality players. And, yeah, they, they obviously haven't been getting the results recently, so we knew they were coming down with a hard edge um, and we were able to respond to that for most of the game. So, uh, yeah, we've sort of spoken the last few weeks about the privilege of playing against the best teams and um, we were happy to get the result uh, on the weekend.
0: Brady, uh, how, how do you find the, the mix between AFL-listed players and obviously WAFL players? You're, you're an alignment club, but uh, things seem to be working pretty well at Peel. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, we're really big on our connection between both groups. Um, obviously, we've had the alignment for I think it's about ten years now, and um, we've had some success. But um, with uh, Jeff Allen coming on board the last eight months, there's been a real focus on bringing both groups together as much as we can. Um, obviously, the waffle boys having their day-to-day jobs, and the and the lads sort of um, doing their own thing. But um, every opportunity we've had, is just sort of connect the groups. We've been able to, and um, we yeah we go through most weeks, and there's a change at least one or two and sometimes seven or eight. So um, the ability to be able to connect during the week and um, basically rock up game day and knowing what each group's going to bring and then um, we're just trying to execute on game day. And um, as I said before, Jeff's been a big driver in that and um, the leadership groups at both levels have been great.
0: Brady, we we hear it in footy sort of at all levels, but it it seems to be the, I suppose, the bottom group of players that, that take teams from being good to great uh, and, and when we're talking about an alignment system, those waffle-specific players, they've really shone through this year, haven't they?
2: Yeah, yeah. it's a byproduct of um, what Matt Rose and the team are doing down there. We've brought in, um, as you know, the list changes every year, but um, there's been a real strong focus on bringing our Colts kids through, who won the flag last year, mm. um, getting some guys from the Peel Footy League to come up and, and actually be a part of the club, and um, you look at guys like Brody Wem, who's come from South Mandurah. Um, we've got three or four other guys from South Mandurah within the team and then uh, our connection down at Harvey um, to bring guys up from the southwest. Um, they've all been around the club for a while now and um, we're starting to see the fruition of those guys being a part of the Waffle League system. And um, We know if, if we want to go into finals, uh, firstly to qualify and then go deep, we're going to have to call on these guys and making sure they're ready. But, yeah, as you said, we've had guys come through like specifically Brady Wareham and then Clay Hall from the Colts program that
1: have come into our team and been able to execute their role. Clay Hall's been a good player on the rise like you said coming from the Colts system 20 touches for him against Claremont he provided great service from the middle how do you see his future at the club?
2: Yeah yeah I don't think we'll have him too much longer than this year but um, himself Reese Time, Mitch Edwards and Joel Rush now we're all part of the Colt's team at the start of the year and played state footy and now part of our senior program. Um, obviously, Clay's played six or seven games now and been exposed to the level, and um, he's bringing his his strength to the game. and um, By playing footy with us, it's going to help him um, progress through and hopefully have an AFL career. But uh, Mitchie Edwards is working with Maxie Noble in the reserves, and they're working their ruck craft together, and then Richie Torrance has been emergency um, emergency for the last three or four weeks. and. Um, he's sort of banging the door now with his resis form to um, maybe play a league game in the next few weeks. So um, it's it's a product of what we've been able to produce um, through the Colts program, although they haven't had the results on the board this year. Um, a lot of the guys that played last year are playing um, league footy. And Michael Sell, he played in the flag last year with the, the Colts boys. He's played 10, 12 league games this year. So, um, yeah, it's, it's all sort of clicking for us um, in terms of our transition from Colts to league footy.
1: That blend from uh, youth to experience really gelling so well this season and is reflected in your standing on the ladder. Congrats to you on the side on a great win over Claremont. Uh, Thanks for your time, Brady, here on Around the Waffle. Good luck on Saturday against West Perth. It's a really big, big game over there at Lane Group Stadium. Thanks for your time, Brady. Yes, thank you. That was Brady Gray from the Peel Thunder Football Club joining us. Great game from the Thunder. A superb win. They got another big test against the reigning Premiers. Uh, That one is going to be a real beauty. Certainly will. And uh, I was
0: going to try and sneak in a little question there. I didn't know. Does, I wonder if he knows that he's the most eligible.
1: Well, I was going to say eligible bachelor. I don't know if he's eligible, no, no, eligible I'm not, bachelor. I didn't ask him that. What did, you, most, what did you call him? The most most handsome man in the WAFL. Okay. It's a three-way tie between him, Connell Lynch, and Mark Reddings. <laughs> there you go. And if anyone disagrees with me on that, I won't be impressed. All right. There you go. Uh, no, it will be a good
0: game. Um, like, we've got so many of them in these last two rounds, and that carries such significance. So... Looking forward to keeping an eye on that. And um, like a, you know, I was able to see Peel a couple of weeks ago, albeit against a, a, that day a pretty poor West Coast side, but
1: uh, they've got they've got the tools there to, to cause some problems uh, deep in September. They certainly do. Uh, currently in that top five, two weeks to go, anything can happen. Of course, games in round 19 this coming weekend are live, free, and in full on the AFL app. You're with Paul Persick and Mark Foreman here on Around the Waffle. OK, let's go to the action, for round 18. First off at the WACA Grand, lift up to the billing top spot on the ladder, on the line, and it was East Fremantle, who stand alone, they were victorious by 14 points, 15-6 to 12-10. But uh, East Perth, I don't think their confidence should be uh, lowered that much after the game, because uh, they, the way they came back into the game late in the third quarter through Amaduri and Crowden, who did brilliantly in the midfield, providing such key clearances, was so important. But in the end, class told, and uh, East Fremantle were able to get the job done through the work of Harrison Marsh, who unquestionably played uh, his best game of the season. Yeah, he he was great. Obviously,
0: kicked three and, and had a ton of footy as well. But um, second quarter from East Fremantle was was commanding. Uh, seven goals to I think it was seven goals to four. Um, they just sort of put the foot down. Um, and it's always hard to to sort of play catch up footy. You know when you when you fall behind. But um, it was. Pretty much worthy of a, a top-of-the-table clash, I think.
1: The and standard of footy as well, you know. Yeah. It was so exemplary from uh, from both teams, and both were kicking quite accurately for much of that game as well. And uh, that's the brand of footy well, a lot of Waffle fans want to watch, and they certainly got it in spades over there at the Wacker.
0: Yeah, and it was, you know, besides that second quarter, it was a bit of an arm wrestle, and that's mm. sort of what we can expect in the, in the last few weeks of the season and going into finals. That's, you know, probably as close to finals footy as you get. It, it's hard to kick away, but... Uh, East Fremantle showed us what they can do when they sort of slammed on seven. So um, you know, they're probably, rightly so. They and I think I said last week that'll that'll pretty much sew up top spot for them, I think. Pretty much at, at this stage, you know, they're to, one game clear. Yeah, it'd be hard to knock them off from there. So um yeah strong like really strong game and uh, you're right Mitch Crodin I thought was was awesome for East Perth he um not only found a lot of the footy kicked a goal as well but but tackled really strongly I think he had some, I think it was nine tackles so right, yeah. um you know a, a huge body of work from a, a player like that which we expect you know he's come from from higher systems as well so um yep certainly not um they didn't disgrace themselves at all East Perth and they got quite close in the end. Maybe
1: a finals rehearsal after the game over yeah. there at the Wacker. One problem though for East from Adel, uh Dylan O'Reilly, he injured his hamstring. He only had the uh, four touches. Huge blow for uh, for the Sharks heading into the game against Perth in round 19. But East from Adel, victorious and standing alone atop the ladder. And another game of finals implications on the Saturday at Lane Group Stadium. We mentioned it with Brady Gray. Peel Thunder, 13-13, 91. Victorious over Claremont, 8-11, 59. We'll start off with the Thunder, Andy. Even though Blair Bell he was a laid out with back soreness, the depth of Peel Thunder is still very evident. Will Brody laboured hard all over the ground at the 29 touches and six tackles, but I really love the work of Tom Emmett and Riley Smith as well. They they didn't see as much of the football as what we would have anticipated, but the body of work and the impact was evident for the Peel Thunder.
0: Yeah, it is. And and you mentioned Will Brody. Um, you know, spoke to Justin Longmuir, I think it was last week. Uh, we heard him talk. Uh, to say, you know, Will Brody's coming back from injury, and uh, I think this is his third. I think this is his third game back, third game and back. Um, he continues to find the ball and, and do a lot of that grunt work. So, um, catch twenty two for Peel because you know if he's still around the Fremantle system, they might they might lose him. But um, he's playing some awesome footy. Sorry, when I say if he's still around, he is still around the Fremantle system. Obviously, whether he can break into that team, uh, which would mean that Peel lose him, but. Um, he's playing some awesome footy and and those guys you mentioned uh, are going from strength to strength.
1: And Bailey Banfield as well. He kicked yeah. a sensational four goals from uh, from the 16 touches. Uh, he's a real gun up, uh, up forward. As for Claremont, well, they had their usual suspects firing. Oliver Eastland dominated in the ruck, but didn't have a lot of support around him, especially when the game was on the line in that final quarter. He had the 43 hitouts. Jai Bolton, 30, and also Daniel Curtin, who was only playing in his second league game, starting to really mature as a prominent footballer, had another solid outing, six marks. But the execution, just the delivery in that forward line, just really wasn't there. That's been a major problem for Claremont over the last couple of weeks. And it's hard to figure out at the present time what has gone wrong over the last month. Four straight losses, and out of the three teams we mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show, Claremont, Swan Districts, and West Perth, the Tigers are the most vulnerable. They may drop out of the five. It certainly looks that way now. We we
0: were speaking last week. This is a game they just couldn't drop, mm-hmm. um, and they did drop it. And I think I kept saying how weird it was. This is very Clermont like It's almost no longer weird, because... well, especially
1: with the stacked talent that they've yeah. got all around the ground.
0: Yeah, and, and it's so yeah. It's almost like I said. It's almost no longer weird because that's four in a row now. So um, they're in a slump. Uh, they're in free fall, and it may well free fall out of the out of the, fo- uh, the five because. Um, losing four in a row with West Perth snapping at their heels. And West Perth, you know, are, are playing some really good footy. They're going from strength to strength. So um, it's danger time for Claremont. Um, and you know the fixture better than I do. I think it's uh, well, Swan's, Swans coming up, Swan Districts,
1: yeah. and then Perth in the last two weeks.
0: So, you know, you, especially four weeks ago, you look at them and go, oh, okay, well, they're both win, Like they'll win them. And of course, it, uh, the good news for uh, Claremont is that it's still in their hands. So they are a game clear. So they don't need to look at other results; they control it. But they've lost four in a row. If they keep, you know, if they drop one more, um, West Perth this week overtook them in percentage. So it's. Um Although it's in their hands, it's it's risky times for It certainly is
1: with two rounds to go. It's going to be very fascinating to see how they can turn it around in the uh, the next two weeks. Yep. They are a much better side. I said this last week, they're a much better side than what they are at the moment. But nonetheless, a good win to Peel Thunder over there at Lane Group Stadium. Third game on the Saturday, it was uh, Swan Districts against Perth. Swan's just too good in the end. 14-14, 98 to 11-4, 70. And once again, Aidan Clark. Showing some great form at this time of the year, he only had the 17 touches, but what I was impressed with was how effective each each one of them were in sending the Swans forward.
0: Yeah, and, and he's been great this year. So he was he was heavily clamped. So Perth sent um, I'm not sure who it was, but they they tagged him heavily, and this is this is exactly what you want from from your good players. So heavily tagged, but still managed to do something. And in this case, he's kicked three goals. Um, so in the AFL, you, you see it. with, players like I'm not certainly not saying that um, Aiden Clark is like Marcus Bontempelli, but when when you get clamped the ability to kick goals or have an impact somewhere else uh, is is just critical and that's they've they've got an absolute gem in Aiden Clark because that's exactly what he did so although he struggled well, I was gonna say he struggled to find the footy he was always around the footy but he was just so heavily checked that uh, he was unable to be you know, super influential, but kicking a couple of goals, a few goals, is um, really good. And yeah, he led from the front. That's, that's real resilience there. We
1: also had some backup in midfield from Jackson McLaughlin, who is continuing to blossom as a prime midfielder for the Swans, especially in and under the contest. Uh, 27 touches. Jesse Turner back to his usual best again, 34 touches and eight marks. Perth didn't disgrace themselves. They didn't disgrace themselves on Saturday uh, at home. Uh, 32 touches for Charlie Thompson, continuing to see plenty of the football. Michael Sinclair, the veteran with four goals from uh, 18 touches and uh, Jack Avery again was impressive and a a jang 19 hit outs in the ruck. Uh, he's continuing to get better and better.
0: Yeah he is and um, yeah no worth mentioning Charlie Thompson's one of their Victorian recruits who mm. um, has yeah he's had a really good season but he, he led from the front and I, th- I think this is this was great science from Perth mm. you know that they've had a look let's be honest they've had a stinker of a season but um, Swans are playing really really well and Perth were right with them you know right to the end in fact I think they were well they weren't quite in front at three quarter time but they were they were right there mm. and um, you know that's really good signs for, for a young side and, and they've they've got a lot to show so um, yeah it was the it was the two Victorians to be honest um, Charlie Thompson and, and Jackson McLaughlin who, who led the way on the ground but um, there were some great signs so it's you know there's, there's a lot of hope there for Perth too.
1: Yeah, and a lot of hope for the Swans as well with two rounds to go. They are still alive in that race for the five. Let's go to the Sunday action. The early game at Leederville Oval kicked it all off. Subiaco, too good in the end for the West Coast Eagles, but the Eagles, they were... A lot more disciplined, a lot more polished than what they were in the last couple of weeks. Even though they were dominated around the ground, they were able to keep in touch with the Lions for for at least three quarters, 13-4 to 22-19. Subiaco, even though they had a big win, a big finish in that last quarter, inaccuracy in front of goal uh, could be a little bit of a worry heading into their next two games. Uh,
0: always is. And, you know, perhaps not against a team like West Coast, but if you miss opportunities, it just so often comes back to bite you. So... Um, Look, not not really something you can. I mean, you can train, you can shoot at goal, but we, we see it in any level of footy. You, nobody tries to miss, but for whatever reason, it what well, didn't all go straight for for Subi. But um, you know, well done to West Coast. They were within five goals at three quarter time, and then yeah, unfortunately, just perhaps took the foot off the of the pedal a little bit, or. You know, to be honest, probably credit to Subi who really put the
1: accelerator down. So I think it was a nine
0: nine goal last
1: quarter. Nine goal last yeah. quarter for Subiaco. And, and looking back on that game, it was really a battle of the forwards. Uh, yeah. Shannon Lucassen, six goals straight. Impressive for him from uh, 13 touches. Good North and Beach also, boy yeah, there. North Beach. Shout yeah. out to the North Beach folk <laughs> over there. And uh, Ben Sokol, five goals for. He had... A monstrous day out, 10 marks inside the 50. And I said this a few weeks ago, We needed to get on a good run of form to really fire Subiaco up for the finals and get back that main source of scoreboard pressure that he was sort of missing midway through the season and uh, he's fired up with five goals for uh, an incredible effort. Yeah,
0: we, we know the talent that he has and, and the danger that he possesses. Um, he, he's you know probably almost an opposition team. He's the first one they look at, right? How do we cover him? Who, who do we send to him? Um, So yeah, I mean, look, five goals, four, perhaps could have been more, but it was, like you said, it was like that across the board. I think Taj Schofield kicked four behinds as well. Mm So, um, you know, inopportune um, moments to, to miss, but... Um, yeah, they'll that, be fine, and, and it was a, a
1: strong win. It, it certainly was. Business as usual. Absolutely, for Subiaco as they uh, keep in touch with the top three. And then the final game out at Fremantle Oval on the Sunday, West Perth. They needed to beat the Bulldogs to keep their finals hopes alive. They did what they had to do, 14 to 8-7 over the South Fremantle side. Their first win at Fremantle Oval over the Bulldogs in f- uh, five years, but it did come at a cost. Their prime midfielder, Aaron Black, he did a hamstring and is likely to miss three weeks.
0: Well, there you go. So I saw, I was actually at the pub watching this one. Uh, well, it was on in the background, and I saw them having a chat to Aaron Black. And when I saw that he'd only had sort of six touches, that uh, that is a worry. And uh, look, Sandover medalist, it's a it's a big loss. He's he's a veteran of the club as well, so hard to cover. But um, he's just got to put the faith in his teammates now that they can do the job and get West Perth into the five and and see how long that run can go. But um, look, whilst he's out, they've they've got some fantastic contributors, and and you know Shane, another veteran, Shane Nelson found plenty of the footy, as did Luke Meadows. But um, they're doing what they need to do. Absolutely. West Perth. That- it's pretty simple for them. You just keep winning, and as soon as they drop one, they're out,
1: um, and they just haven't dropped one. Yeah, and they can't afford to drop any more uh, heading into the final uh, two rounds. But I think the real star in that game for me, besides Meadows and, and Nelson, was Noah Pegoraro. I thought his job as a utility to swing up forward was very effective. For 15 touches, and he also had six tackles as well in the 50, and managed to uh, steer home three goals as well. I think what Darren Harris did to utilize Noah Pegoraro as a... You know, a very versatile player who can not only be that clutch intercept market down back, but also you know a little a big goal sneak uh, up forward is uh, really effective uh, as far as West Perth are concerned. He's played a very big role over the last four weeks.
0: They're invaluable assets, players like that that can play you know both ends of the ground, and uh, especially when you when you swing a player down you know another the other end of the ground and they make an impact like that's huge. And like you said, it wasn't yeah yes he kicked three goals, but yeah following up you know tackling and and. You know, pinch hitting in the ruck every
1: now and then as well was pretty good. And the problem for South Fremantle on the other side of that coin is that they are lacking those forward targets. They had Dylan Mayne as a laid out, Brandon Donaldson also out injured, and with Jimmy Miller, who's usually a prominent forward, playing in the ruck in place of Brock Higgins and Solomon James doing a knee and missing the season, that leaves South Fremantle exposed, especially in that forward line. And the problems really showed their back line was, uh, you know, really taken apart by the West Perth Fords.
0: Yeah, and and when you lose, you know, when you lose a key forward or, or two, obviously the the pecking order just goes down. So the, the first defender from the opposition goes to a player that probably wouldn't usually get the first defender. And, um, you know, you then you then have those flow-on effects. So we, we could see that with South Fremantle. And they're also a work in progress. You know, we know that. But, um, you know, having re-signed the coach and um, things are positive for the future. For South Fremantle, uh, you know, not the best season, but... Um, They'll be all right. And yeah, they've been unlucky with injury too, as you mentioned. So um, yeah, West Perth, were are just too strong.
1: Yeah, they're really on a big run home towards September.
0: Before we move on, can you say that name three times very quickly for me, please?
1: What name are you thinking? Noah... Pegararo. Well, what, what are you thinking? Am I going to be cursed or something?
0: Pegararo, Pegararo. It's one of those tongue twisters. Turn isn't it, it up
1: for you. Pegararo, Pegararo, Pegararo. See yeah, there you okay. go. Well, I hope you're happy with that one.
0: Too good for me, yeah.
1: No, but West Perth—they <laughs> were too good when it mattered uh, over there at Fremantle Oval. Another big win for them. Let's go to the ladder. After 18 rounds, East Fremantle—they stand alone atop the ladder after seven wins in a row. They are looking very impressive. Subiaco jumped to second. Peel Thunder jump up to third. Uh, East Perth, with the loss at the Whacker on Saturday, dropped down to fourth. Claremont—four losses in a row in a bit of trouble in uh, fifth place. West Perth and Swan Districts, sixth and seventh respectively after four wins in a row. South Fremantle eighth, and then rounding out the bottom half, Perth and the West Coast Eagles, with two rounds still remaining. This is Around the Waffle, the official podcast of the West Australian Football League. All right, for 4A, time to cast the votes for the Around the Waffle Player of the Year. It is really, really heating up. I know you're excited about this.
0: I always look forward to your votes, Paul, because, I mean, you've got... Five, you, so you've got 10 teams playing and you've only got five players that you can give votes to. So I always like to see how you go here.
1: Let's go. Uh, 18, round 18. One vote. Bailey Banfield of mm. Peel Thunder up forward. Impressive. Four goals effective inside the 50. So, too, Ben Sokol. Now, he okay. gets two votes, yep. five goals from ten brilliant marks. No matter who West Coast or any club are trying to put on him, Sokol just always seems to get the job done. And uh, his five-goal haul, again, another sign that he is back to his best form.
0: Well, ten marks and nine shots at goal in total as well. So, um yeah, I, was, I thought he might have been a little higher, Paul. So I'll be interested to see what happens here.
1: Three votes, Luke Meadows of okay, West yep, Perth. I yep. mean, when Aaron Black went off, uh, Luke Meadows picked up uh, the West Perth midfield, carried it on his back, and he really saw the football a lot of times. 32 disposals, three inside 50s, and the six marks to boot. I like that you're including a bit of context in these votes as well. So that that's handy. Yes, uh, I can agree with that. And I th- this, this one as well adds plenty of it. Harry Marsh, he gets yep. the four votes yeah, from East Fremantle. I mean, sensational game. Definitely his best of the season. 27 disposals, 8 tackles and 9 inside 50s. That'll
0: be hard to beat. I'm wondering who has got the five
1: then. Well, the Around the Waffle top gun of round 18 from Swan Districts is Aiden Clark. <laughs> I mean, only the 17 disposals, but... Now, I think you, you spoke about this a little earlier. A little bit of that Marcus Bontempelli, yes. Whenever he's got the football, he seems to deliver. His efficiency was outstanding. 17 disposals, effective in every one of them. And then he was heavily clamped, especially in that forward half, but he still found a way to kick three goals and provide uh, Swan Districts with a much-needed target in that forward line. So Aidan Clark, he gets the top gong for round 18. Well, there you go. So I suppose looking at numbers...
0: I'd be very surprised to see him get the top gong. But as we spoke about, um, contextually, he was really, really important. Um, So not only takes an opposition player away because he's being tagged, but it was able to kick three goals. And as you said, use the footy so, so well. Um, And, you know, when you have limited opportunities, you can still make an impact if you use it well. And that's what he did. So uh, I don't hate it, Paul. I think... A reasonable
1: decision there. Oh, thank you very much indeed. Now let's go to the leaderboard with two rounds to go. We do have a new leader, and that is Aiden Clark. He's got seventeen votes. Zach Clark from Subiaco in second, just a vote behind Tyler tell of West Perth is on third with is third place with twelve. Jarvis Pina of Swan Districts is on eleven, as is Jai Bolton of Claremont. Then it's Mitch Crowden on ten. Luke Meadows and Milan Murdoch each on nine, and rounding out the top ten, Tom North and Fraser Turner. Really, it's down to at least those ten. That can still win the Player of the Year for 2023. It is an open race. Oh, it is, and uh, like I said, with
0: only you know, you get the five votes, you can just explode up the leaderboard. So, uh, not surprisingly, we've got the two Clarks up the top, albeit different spellings, but um, <laughs> they've they've been awesome this year. And um, actually, got to chat to Zach Clark. He was doing a bit of work for the the radio station I work for on Friday night, and um, you know, just enjoying his footy. And it's I, It's been a common theme on this podcast the last few weeks. You know, the more you enjoy your footy, the the better you play and, uh, I dare say our whole top 10 are probably having
1: a, a, an enjoyable time. Yeah, they certainly are. And we certainly have had an enjoyable time here today uh, on Around the Waffle for you. Great job as always. I'll see you on Thursday. Look forward to it. Thanks, Paul. And we thank you, our viewers and our listeners, for joining us here on today's edition of Around the Waffle. Be sure to check us out as well on our socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Give us a big thumbs up. We really do appreciate it. You can also listen to us on wherever you get your podcasts or watch on YouTube. Stay tuned. We've got a big preview coming up on Thursday for Round 19. We'll see you then.
0: Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast creator network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore.